This episode is also brought to you by Spot. Guys, the world is starting to open up with everybody doing their part and getting vaccinated, which also means that more people are out there doing those adventures that you love to do as well, which also leaves more room for accidents. So if you're not covered by Spot, I don't know what you're doing. Spot is a zero deductible accident injury insurance that covers active people. So that means if you go out on a hike and uh, you trip and you fall and you dislocate your knee or break your collarbone or whatever, you would be covered up to $20,000, no deductible. That means you will pay nothing out of pocket. So toppling that on top of your injury insurance or your uh, health insurance, you're pretty much covered. You won't pay anything out of pocket. So all you need to do is go to croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com today to check it out. They don't only just cover cycling. They cover just about anything. If you cut your finger off in the kitchen, covered. If you get trampled by your dog, covered. I don't know. I'm just naming random things. It's accident insurance. So go check them out at croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. There's also a link in the description below. This episode is also made possible by Twisted Spoke Apothecary. Guys, if you haven't already, you need to check out Twisted Spoke Apothecary. They make some of the best CBD oil that I've ever used, and they've recently come out with the nighttime tincture, which uh, does its job. It literally puts you right to sleep, and you have some of the best sleep and recovery for the next day. And uh, yeah, they also have this chamois cream that's infused with a little bit of CBD oil, which helps me ride for the longest amount of times. I even used it in this week's Unbound Gravel, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was perfect. It's exactly what I needed. So all you have to do is go to twistedspokeapothecary.com, use code CROOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's CROOM10 at twistedspokeapothecary.com. This episode is also brought to you by Colorado Ski Shop. Colorado Ski Shop is a family business that started in 1994 and has 20 plus years of online shopping experience. Colorado Ski Shop is built of skiers, cyclists, and everything in between. They want to get you set on the right gear for your adventures. And as we all know, it's been super hard to get bike parts. So all you need to do is go to coloradoskishop.com and check out their lineup of bike accessories, ski accessories, and much more. Also, they've just launched a brand new website. And in celebrating that, they're offering all new and returning customers 10% off their next purchase with using promo code coffeechat10 at checkout. This will also get you free shipping in the U.S. as well as a free binding mount if you buy their ski package. So check them out at coloradoskishop.com. That's coloradoskishop.com. Use code coffeechat10 at checkout. The link will also be in the description below. To another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. Uh, my name is John Kroom and I'm sitting here with Johnny Well. Um, yeah, but do we have an episode for you? This is like the longest episode I've ever put together. And it's so long that I'm not even in a bit of it. Um, we were trying to figure out time constraints and all kinds of other crazy things and getting some of these people that we were going to interview on. And uh, yeah, between Tokyo, the UK, and the US, it just not happening. Yeah, time time was not happening. So anyways, but on this episode, we sit down with Josh Loudon and we sit down with Dan Bigham and uh, we chat selection um, coming from two guys who have missed out on selections ourselves in some way, shape or form. I don't know how bad Johnny's were 
I know that I've had a few bad ones, but uh, yeah. So we sit down and chat about selection, but uh, Johnny had the chance to sit down with Joss. How was, how was that conversation? Um, it was a bit awkward, I think, with Joss, because it was a... <laughs> she's, she's obviously the, the traveling reserve for the women's road race and time trial. Um, and I think it, we, in terms of like the days when you could have done it, it was like the perfect day because she'd literally like, that was the first day she'd realized that, oh, I'm not actually going to be racing tomorrow. Yeah. And like the, the two girls go off for their like pre-race chat with the staff and stuff. And Josh is just <clears throat> sat in a bike room talking to me on Skype. Not, a, not the life she wanted to live that day, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, so we'll we'll just go ahead and start with that interview here and uh, let you guys tune in and listen in. And uh, yeah, here it goes. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Coffee and Van Chats without John Croom. Uh, after the first episode, um, John's performance was put under question and we've decided to go without him for this. Um, Realistically, we've got three time zones that we're currently interviewing on, and um, yeah, it's just not going to work panning it out. I think it's currently 3, 4 a.m. for John, um, and he's a sleepy slug. But um, we do have someone quite exciting today. We have Joss Loudon, straight from Tokyo, GB cyclist. Um, Joss is the traveling reserve for the women's team. Um, What's she done? She's done a lot of stuff. Uh, bronze medal at the Mixed Re Worlds Relay two years ago, one year ago. It was the only time they've done that. Um, recently just finished first on GC at the Tour de Feminine. Um, our record inbound. Practice went quite well a few months ago, didn't it? Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, <laughs> for uh, prioritizing my time zone over uh, John's. I don't think I would. I, would, I don't think I would have got up at four a.m. to uh, come and chat to you. No offense, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, devastated. Um, Lo right. Lovely as it is, yeah. So, um, yes, we just wanted to sort of dig into. You've got an interesting experience being the traveling reserve, um, and I just thought it's really good or bad or mixed. You know, what, what what's it like being the traveling reserve? Yeah, I think yeah, pretty. Pretty interesting question and um, I mean today was a bit of a the first time I've really felt the fact that I'm the reserve because we've been training all together like the three of us three girls because we've got uh, Lizzie Dagnan and Anna Shackley in the road race and then Anna Shackley's doubling up for the TT um, and so I'm the reserve for both but we've spent the whole time training together we you know we ride together we eat together we have team meetings together and Today, this afternoon, it was like they packed, packed up to head down to the race hotel in Tokyo and it was sort of saying goodbye. And, and I was like, oh, I really want to go and race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I did really notice it today. But um, I think like I never, I never expected to have got one of those spots, to be honest. So being put into the squad as a reserve was, you know, a, a big deal anyway. Like I was pretty proud to to get that chance to come out here and certainly yeah the experience has been incredibly valuable so yeah i mean there's there's been moments where i'm like i just want to race this circuit so much because it's such a cool road race and uh and the tt will be really cool as well but yeah i'm not i'm not complaining you are sort of like the the super sub like if you're going to ask for anyone to be the sub you know you're really good climber really good time trialist so like you can you can oh. see why you were picked thanks um, thanks yeah, I mean, the three of us actually ride really well together. I mean, we're, it's almost 
yeah, I mean, it is a massive shame we don't have the three of us in the road race because we do actually, you know, we ride well. And, um, you know, having two in a team is is pretty limiting, although you've just seen the, the men's race and it didn't, obviously. <laughs> they, they, Ecuador had two. So, um, spoiler alert, Carapaz won. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But I think it, yeah, no, so it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not done and sewn up for the, the women's road race. But yeah, it would have been cool to have three. But um, that's the way qualification goes. And hopefully Paris will be different. We should probably say that um, GB have two spots in total um, and one of the riders has to do the time trial off that. Um, and obviously, if you've got a rider of Lizzie's quality and history, like you, you build the team around her. Um, Anna Shackley was the, you know, the best support rider they could have. She's ridden before. Um, just feel if, they, if they'd given you a, if COVID and injuries hadn't happened, maybe it would have been a, a different story. Um, yeah, the injuries one's quite interesting because um, obviously we have a, it's like ongoing joke around here, like whether Anna Shackley will make it to the start line. When, will I like <laughs> trip her up, take her out or something? And then like so at dinner the other night, she literally fell over her own feet, like oh. coming back carrying her plate, and it was like oh, oh last yes, night. Yes, I'm up. in. <laughs> All right, there was one moment we were, we were out riding together, and we just had because we ride out, we have the team car supporting us, and there was like. I don't know, a few hundred meters where it wasn't with us and Anna nearly got taken out by a car coming the other way it was so close and I was like no one will believe me everyone will think that I built her they will I was like I don't know what I was fearing for more like her, her life or the fact that I would be absolutely like hungry and quartered for it oh it's a very tricky situation I don't envy at all um I suppose at least you know that you weren't racing you know at the start so if you're if you're like the fifth man in a team pursuit team or woman yeah you know, you've yeah. kind of you've got that like will I ride won't I ride you know it's it's I suppose for I you you that, can accept yeah, it before you got there but you have you almost have to prepare to race though like because of course that is why we're here like it would have been completely nonsensical if I'd gone out on the first few days and absolutely like you know like trained completely to the wall and then not being actually in a good shape to race so yeah I think today when it was pretty you know sewn up I went and did some efforts and uh, <laughs> sort of trained a bit harder but of course you know we've got the TT as well but yeah no you're right but I think the other thing as well that's highlighted is that there's there's so many so much more to being in a team than just the two that get on their bikes and ride and had James Knox, James Knox as well who was part of the he was the traveling reserve for the men's and he's been with the guys and yeah it's all part of like the team atmosphere and you know trying to make a positive environment to be in for those that are actually racing and things that you absorb, like, yeah, going and riding the course with Anna, the TT course, and I pick up things that she hasn't picked up. And yeah, there's benefit. It's not just, you know, those that actually get on the start line, but of course, of course I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, your, yeah. it's your first games experience, isn't it? Cause you didn't do Commonwealth games before you were, you sort of, you're yeah, so no. new to it. Yeah. I mean, you've had so many setbacks, but you know, you're sort of really coming into it. So you've got, Hopefully, you've got a Commonwealth Games coming up and then another Olympics in three years' time. So, in terms of that yeah. experience, it is funny because it is because you kind of think, oh, you, so, yeah, I'm 33, but I haven't been doing this for a really long time and I am just kind of really starting to feel and getting into it. So, then I was like, oh, well, Commonwealth Games next year. Well, okay, and Tour de France, of course, women. So, I was like, right, next year. And then Lizzie then says, you, you sure you don't want to think about Paris? And of course, being here, I'm like, yeah, okay, Paris, right? <laughs> so absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely. So, and then you start thinking, oh, I don't know, could I just go and have like a baby and come back for Paris? But you know, with that, with, oh, with Dan, spoiler alert there. <laughs> I don't know, with Dan, Dan wanting like ten or something, I'm not quite sure that's going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah he wants well, a few piglets. Well, regardless of Paris or not, a few piglets, a litter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's GB are in quite a good situation now. They've got quite a lot of young, talented riders coming through that are getting all the, the qualifying points. It's, it's based on UCI rankings, effectively, where you get your points from. So it's, it's looking yeah. like we could have a much better squad for future world champs and Olympics as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think in Paris, they're going to do it um, a little bit differently in terms of the number of spots. So I think that the men's and women's spots get split equally. So there'll be, so I think there's something like 180 spots, both road racing um, for men and women. And I think it's going to be split between the two. Because this year, I think there's something like 63 starting in the women's race, which of course is incredibly small. And um, yeah, so next, next Olympics Paris, it will be hopefully a few more spots and then hopefully we'll qualify a few more and we've got a bit more, yeah, you know, we'll have more flexibility to, to play as well. It, it makes it a more of a sort of fair playing field, you know, if, if what I see it's like, it doesn't, you know, the Dutch girls, like they're already the, <laughs> the strongest in the world. And then if they've got twice yeah. as many as you, it's, it doesn't make it, doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, there's certainly a strong force. It's going to be, but then it's, there's, yeah, some other teams that have got four, but, and then it's like, how do the other teams then maybe work together? Perhaps, I don't know. Mm. Will they? Won't they? Who knows? It's who all, knows? It's, it's, who knows? It's open, but um, certainly the women's course is, in my opinion, not as uh, tough as the men's course that we've seen today. That looked <laughs> brutal. Horrible. Is that just because of the distance? So obviously there's a big so nearly 100 kilometers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they had yeah 234k. We have 137 um, after about nine and a half k of neutral. But it's um, and then they had this. Oh, what's it called? The Makuni climb, Makuni climb. Uh, that wall, the sort of the six and a half kilometers at like 12. percent We don't go up that. We don't go up the extra climb that they did around Fuji. Um, so. I don't know. Is it that our race is too short, or, or is it was it that theirs was like the proper like gladiator war? Maybe theirs was too hard. I don't know. Too hard. It does seem like a bit of a race of attrition. You know, it's like it certainly was, wasn't it? it Absolutely some of kicking the, the out of shit out of each other. They were especially in the especially in the heat because it's like you just if you go too soon and you get too hot, that's mm. that's all you're gonna do. Um, Although today actually has been the coolest day we've had since being out here, and I would say is very pleasant temperature. <laughs> so I think that they were lucky because we've had the day we went and wreckied um, the road race course that went up over Doshi Road, which is the sort of the long climb that goes out after Tokyo. And yeah, our Garmin's were like sitting there about 43 degrees, and I mean it that. And then of course it's the humidity as well, and that you you kind of you put down barely zone four even like barely close to threshold at all and yet your heart rate is absolutely like hitting like maximum so i think it's not going to be like that tomorrow and obviously it wasn't like that today so i think it probably <laughs> makes for more we'll exciting see with the race maybe. it brings the preparation into it more doesn't it i mean i know you've done a lot of mm. heat work for your hour record prep which is mm. happening soon soonish uh yeah the end of september 30th of september it's sort of sandwiched between worlds and the women's tour uh, the women's tour comes yeah beginning of october so i mean it might be a bit bold to put it there bold stupid i don't know like i don't know i don't know like well, so victoria boosie she's got the women's world record at the moment and i was having a chat to her at the start line of um 
uh, our last race, which is the Tour de Femina in Czech Republic. And she said, absolutely, she focused on it for like two years. You can't do a road race season um, sort of at the same time, or that was her sort of suggestion. And I was like, hmm, I've literally got a week <laughs> between <laughs> Worlds and Women's Tour. And then, of course, Nationals off the back of it. But my kind of, my uh, reasoning is, is that I'm properly going to aim to peak at that time of year. Um, and be building up into it. I'll be time trialing a load that time of year. And I'm, I think I'm quite versatile. I think that I can, because I haven't had years and years of experience on the track. I'm not like absolute. I mean, as you've seen, you've seen my track riding. Sometimes it's pretty wild. And I think that um, hopefully it means that I can kind of hop onto the track and just take what I've got onto the track with me, opposed to feeling like I need to spend years and years on it. I think I think the the nature of the hour record and the speeds that you go it makes it easier to sort of acclimatize the track like I think if you're doing mm. team pursuit work IP work like you know you need to have done the sort of the track work but what you know you, you, you crawl off the start line in a 20 second lap which is you know you're going 20 seconds cool. yeah, and some 30 <laughs> seconds and you, you, you know, 26 maybe maybe you, you're, yeah. you're telling yourself to slow down on the start but um yeah yeah that's definitely it. sort of flop into it and it's ultimately just a threshold test isn't it to, mm -hmm. as yeah with big mental challenges <laughs> big mental challenge. yeah exactly it's the threshold test and then um and i've sort of yeah done with done the maths on um how much further you ride if you are you know x number of meters or x number of centimeters whatever above that black line and once you've seen those numbers and you see that it's going to be an extra half a kilometer on the back end if you ride a shit line then you're like oh i'm sticking to that line <laughs> like <laughs> kind of knowing the numbers and the effect of it means that you know what you really like concentrate on so but yeah so that's the end of october but uh yeah we'll see obviously i had a really good practice run uh, in uh, february supported by Truly, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll uh, see whether it can be replicated in Grinchen. Wow, not to not to put the pressure on, but you looked very very comfortable when you did it. You you, <laughs> you did well. So some of it was, but that's no that's the interest. That's the interesting thing with the hour because of course, yeah, half of it is super easy because you know half an hour <laughs> isn't hard. But then yeah, I think it was Eddie Burks who I guess, you know, said that you know it takes years off your life. But you look you look fresher at the end of it than you did going into it. I felt really hungover the next day. Yeah. Like, and we Dan and I we we got home and we got back pretty late. And of course we've had a fair bit of caffeine and like you've done a real hard effort. You can't sleep. And we did sit up in the kitchen. We did have like. Good the strong Belgian beer. The one that will take it away. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, but uh, no, you're just yeah, you do feel super hungover, but I think it's just the effects of going super yeah, yeah, really deep. So, um, but I'll have to come down pretty quickly because then of course I've got the women's draw, and that's going to be um, <laughs> that's going to be really yeah, cool this year. It hasn't happened for a while. Um, so moving back to the Tokyo Games as well, I just wanted to um see what you think about the different differences in the distance really. I know we sort of touched on it a little bit, but the, especially the women's time trials are one that really stands out to me. I mean, I can, uh, I can understand, yeah, it's, it's mm. hard, it's a lap. I mean, I, mm. I can understand that the road race is 137K compared to the men. You know, it is shorter than the men's because the world tour races are shorter. They're sort of set precedent there, but I just don't really understand the, the fact that they're doing a lap you know, it's, it's, mm. 
yeah um, i mean yeah the women's road race at least it's i mean yeah okay it's 100 kilometers shorter but at least it's in line with a lot of the races it's going to be a more exciting that we race, do you know yeah. um but as for the tt yeah it's I, I don't i don't know i don't understand why it is uh so significantly shorter i there must be no i was gonna say there must be some logic but i i, I don't think so um it's it's a really cool circuit actually so yeah i mean if i was doing it i would definitely be oh yeah if i was doing it hands down i would definitely want it to be longer without a doubt um yeah the longer the better so yeah it's, it's a weird one maybe something that they'll look into for paris if they're going to try and sort of a uh, sort of balance out both you know the numbers in the road races and um maybe something they'll address you hope so 160k boys and girls 40k boys and girls done decided We'll send yeah. the to the UCI. Yeah, I'll um, sign it. Uh, anyway, so last little point I want to sort of chat about is the COVID word. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. like this is your first games experience, but it's also everyone's first games experience under a pandemic. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, so we are really fortunate, as in we being the GB road team, because we're in a hotel out of the city, um, sort of on the edge of a hillside. Um, we have sort of two floors of a hotel where we have rooms, we have um, a bike room, we have massage, we have a restaurant. And we go out and we ride and we train and we come back and we recover. We, you know, eat and we sleep. It's really, really simple living. It's the preparation and training sort of camp that you would expect at a major games. So it's not like, so you, sometimes you think, is it because of COVID that it's like this? But it, would it be any different if it wasn't? I don't, I don't, I don't really know because I've never been to a major games before, but certainly, um, yeah, we can't go out and explore. We're not going to cafes or anything. We're not allowed to do that. And we have to do the daily spit into the, you know, the tube for your daily um, COVID test. Is which it a is, spit? Are you, you're not getting sticks rammed up your throat twice no, a day? No, we uh, we've had done some lateral flows. And, um, but yeah, it's the, the daily spit, which is not the nicest way to get up in the morning, but you know, you get on <laughs> with it. Um, but like, I mean, some things, yeah, I think... Like coming through the airport, like the travel arrangements were unbelievably complicated or complex, not complicated because yeah, GB made it as help as you know as clear as possible for us. But yeah, passing through the airport took nearly four hours, um, and uh, yeah, I mean we're not going out and about, but it's it's yeah, like I say, I don't know any different really at games. So whether it, it be any different if COVID wasn't like this, but the reception that we've had has been really good. Like we go out riding and um, obviously I can't speak for the entire Japanese population. And it, I hope that, that what we're seeing is representative of how most people feel because it's been incredibly welcoming and people are yeah, really friendly, taking photos, smiling, like little toots of the horn. And um, there's a real yeah, positive atmosphere. And I hope that that is what is being felt throughout Japan. Um, I remember this before the London Olympics when everyone was like, oh, it's going to be shit. We're British. It's going to, it's going to, we're going to fuck it up in so many different ways. But then when it happened, it was wonderful and everyone sort of came together. And Yeah. And really came together. I remember that London, like, because I was working in the city at the time and yeah, offices would like shut down and everyone would be like gathered around the big screens to watch the events. It's, yeah, I think like major games and we see it with football as well. Like it really brings nations together. So 
maybe there's still time for for this to have a positive sort of feel and impact in, in Japan as well. Hopefully. And missing out on the on the games village atmosphere? Is that uh you sad about that? Happy about I don't that? know, because I've never been to the village. <laughs> I mean you, I've you heard don't like try out the cardboard beds. <laughs> the cardboard beds and like some of the scandal stories that you hear from it. But again, like I say, I mean we're here to train We'll save the scandal stories for the next podcast. <laughs> save them. I mean there's I've got nothing here, to be honest. It's it's but it's been yeah, I mean as a my first games experience as a non rider, I hope I hope next time I'll be uh, racing, but uh, it's been, yeah, it's been really, really good and definitely an experience I will uh, be pleased to have, uh, yeah, been part of. Well, that's very much not what we were hoping to hear. We were hoping for horror stories. <laughs> it's miserable. I can't perform. Like, everyone's no. bags got lost. No, although actually <laughs> on the second day, um, so we're due to ride at 11 o'clock um, and my alarm actually had been going off since nine and at <laughs> 10 to 11 I woke up and was like oh my god I've literally this is my first like like Olympic experience I'm going to get booted out of GB before I've even like got in the door because I don't turn up to training on time she sprinted downstairs oh I did not feel good it was like 40 degrees I'd slept for like 14 hours but still felt oh. like hell so, so um yeah no it was all up, up from there really that's <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they, they like get, punctuality on GB. Yeah, didn't get booted. Did not get booted. That's quite, that's quite a hard one to get booted though, isn't it? Not to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, now you're in. Um, well, I suppose we'll sort of leave it there, if that's all right. Um, thank yep. you very much for your time. And oh, good luck pleasure. for the rest of the year. And uh, yep. I hope you enjoy the rest of your experience. Pass off thank you very our much. best to the fellow riders. I will, I day. will. Send them good luck. But thanks for having me. That's all right. Perfect. Bye then. All right. So, you know, that was a sick chat. Yeah, that's the first time that I've ever had the opportunity to not be a part of my podcast. So when my podcast gets hijacked, the only man who can do that is Johnny Well himself. It's also <laughs> nice that he's called it a sick chat and he hasn't actually listened to the uh, interview yet. So <laughs> yeah. don't you it's either a sign editing. of stupidity or uh, <laughs> great just, faith. It's just it's just great faith and editing in itself. Um, because I'm going to have editing. to edit <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways. it's very weird. It's very weird. Not being the interview E whatever it is like being at the, being at the start. I mean, I hope we're going to edit the intro bit that I did. Oh yeah. Just like, I, I, I press, I press record with her and I was just like, Oh, sh- ah. well, I was kind of <laughs> wondering and, and I'm kind of nervous now, now that I haven't even really looked at it. I'm kind of nervous now to just <laughs> see what what i've missed um and because when you texted me you were like yeah yeah send me a link send us a link and i was like yo dude like if i send you a link you won't be able to hit the record button so uh you're gonna need to figure that out yourself and you're just like okay and then you texted me again i figured it out i was like all right cool man yeah so but on this next bit i'm a part of and i think i think this next one's a bit interesting just more or less because dan's not even in tokyo and not even going to tokyo i didn't did you know that? Uh, kind of. Um, it's like that must hurt, you know. Like any yeah. other games, you'd be you'd be going. Like it's it's not just Dan that's not going. It's um Casper von Falsack, the you know another key support member of that Danish team, isn't going yeah. as well. Um, so I feel really bad for those two because I know how much they've invested in the squad as well. Um, yeah. So it seems obviously they're only the 
they've only been given a certain number of tickets for the you know like slots in the hotels and stuff and yeah they've got such a small team they don't get enough people um but i'm sure that'll be a tricky one for them to yeah i just i thought that was really interesting because like i i'm not gonna lie we did like an hour long interview this morning and it was it wasn't until the end that he was just like oh yeah yeah, i'll jump back on the pod later in the week i'll just be here in denmark and i was just like wait what and so i just assumed that he was going with the team and whatever else so that's still got to be heavy but even his own personal athletic goals you know um i thought that was pretty interesting you were right man like that's that's one thing that nobody brings up to chat with him about is kind of what's going on um, or what, what happened to him being a part of GB. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody's so busy. It's that Instagram versus reality. You know, there was a sad Dan once. There was definitely a sad Dan. I mean, I remember, um, I remember it really vividly for me. So after the Commonwealth games, when it was, you know, like that was sort of the end of it, he'd obviously, he'd, he'd watch Charlie, He'd watched Charlie uh, win the world championship in a team that he felt that he was stronger than. And then he'd gone to Commonwealth Games, not got a ride, not got a ride for the time trial. Um, and, you know, he, he, he had a bike that was made up and painted in British colours for that, that time trial that he was going to do. And he gets flicked at the last minute for that. Um, like, you know, it's obviously this selection, there are reasons, but for that personal for the rider, it's tough. Um, I remember sitting in the, in, the, in the pen with him, just in the middle of the D, after like I fucked up my kilo, he'd done a terrible like he'd done like a 104 kilo. Like what's going on there, Dad? Like, um, <laughs> and he, yeah, it was real. Um, it was tough for him. It's tough to see someone that's generally so confident and has the biggest ego in the world be so grounded by what you know the last six months of his life. Um, yeah, it just shows you that some of the people on on top are even having some of their best rides. Or I mean, because there's so many. I bet there's so many guys out there that were envious of what you guys were putting together, you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of see that, hear that, um, you know, and it's always so easy to go, oh, this country has it better or this group of people have it better. And then you hear the stories and you're just like, fuck, that's pretty much kind of the same shit that we mm-hmm. deal with, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember like, in Hoop, Hoop, when it was KGF and Hoop, like, I always... I, I really hated when people would talk about um, the grind and like, you know, like they, they, they describe it like that. Cause I'd never like, at that point, I'd never experienced any of the sort of selection difficulties, any of the having a coach that's holding you accountable and adding stress effectively. Um, <laughs> and that is the hard bit, you know, like for me, it was like, Oh, what, what racing's hard. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. You're going off to a race with your mates and you're going to do something that you've like, done all the prep that you want to do beforehand and you feel confident to do like it was there's none of that but um yeah it's pretty evident just hit just some tone of dan's voice that you can hear that in him um, well yeah like it was and i don't know i don't know dan that well just besides the interviews or like the few times that we ran into each other but there was a different tone <laughs> in this next podcast but anyways we'll shut up and we'll go ahead and uh play that for you i did listen to this one before uh, we recorded this, so uh, I was a part of it. <laughs> and so, yeah, we'll go ahead and tune in on that. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm sitting here with Johnny Whale, co-host slash host slash co-host slash I don't know what else. Standard. Stealing the podcast. <laughs> and then we also got Dan Bingham walking about in, uh, what is this, Denmark? Where are you at? Yeah, Copenhagen, Ballarat, Denmark. 
Yeah, so he's he's hanging about in Denmark, and uh, yeah, Johnny got him on. Uh, what did we send him? Text about an hour ago, and uh, got you to come aside. Yeah, yeah, you called me a good time. We've got a, a double session today, and then the guys head off tomorrow. Well, guys and girls, sorry. Actually, no, the girls head off in a few more days. But um, you still in? Yeah. Is this like the A team are still in Denmark? Yeah. Oh wow. Dan, I'm about to embarrass you in front of the entire podcast, but I think you have some snack on the side of your beard. <laughs> other other side. There we go. <laughs> oh, lovely. Um, I had uh, I was on Sky News for an interview like a few months ago, and I had this like tuft of hair sticking up, and I was there trying to sort it out, but because the the, the camera was flipped, I was like pressing the wrong side. <laughs> I think the most important thing to, if you want to run a cycling-based media outlet um, is you've got to have some guy that's got a terrible dress sense, which is why we've got Dan on. But he's, <laughs> he's kind of letting, he's letting the team down a bit with his, his team issue t-shirt. I wanted something a bit more flary. I'll just wait till I have a Denmark one on, bright red. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, anyway, so the, the, the general theme of this podcast, um, we've had a little intro with a little chat with Joss, and that's going to be slotted in there somewhere. Um, but the theme is it's those who get left out. Um, everyone talks about the Olympic champions and the Olympic dream and how it's amazing. Um, but there's, there's only a very, very few people actually go out and do that, and even fewer actually win the medals. Um, so I thought, I think this is one of the sort of the best you know, topics to talk about with Dan. I don't, I don't think it's people that jump on straight away with Dan Bingham. You don't think about, oh, I remember that time you didn't get picked. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> having known Dan for um, quite a long time, like I knew him, I, I knew him before he was famous. Um, before he wrote and a book. This sort of experience in, it's a 2018 Worlds basically is when we're sort of doing a, the, the, mm. the key part of this. And I think it, it really changed Dan as a person um and I, th I think it'd be quite nice to delve into a little bit um so Dan do you want to do you want to chat a little bit about what happened the sort of the background yeah. as well okay so I expect most people know the team KGF story of 2017 and how we'd gone through nationals gone through world got into world cups and had good success with myself obviously you Johnny Charlie Tipper and then obviously we pulled in who did we pull in that year did we pull anyone in no, it was after. Um, no, it was after. Harry, no, no, was we Harry in. Harry in for January, didn't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we had Harry in. Yeah, yeah, pre before we went big dog. Um, so that had been pretty successful, I think, at least from, I think, across the board. But um, GB wanted me and Charlie to come in for trials. We'd won to the IP at the Nationals with a 422, both of us, I think. And yeah, so basically on trial with the great British cycling team and Charlie had a lot more experience, I guess, with the system than I did, um, which probably helps in a number of ways of how you behave within that system, how you fit within that system and function. Uh, Charlie had been there and been on the receiving end of the, the bad side of it, really. He'd been booted out when he was I think, national junior or youth champion in <clears throat> multiple disciplines. Uh, but both Tanfields have been in there on the program on development cycles. I don't know what it would have been back then. Olympic development, ODP program. ODP. Um, and yeah, anyone who knows the Tanfields know their hard work. 
but just because they're hard work doesn't mean it's not worth it. Um, and they just they perform, but they 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 come with baggage might be the right term. They just uh, they're a challenge. It's like so, when yeah. you've got a really bad toothache and you want to pull the tooth, it's pretty painful to pull it. But like once it's gone, it's like oh. oh. Yeah, but with the tan fields, it's like having to send a dentist round every day, isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, uh, we were there and um, trials are, it's not structured in a specific way. It's not, we weren't on a pathway that you would normally get onto the, the Olympic team. It was kind of, these guys are obviously going, well, we need to figure out how they could fit into the squad. Uh, so yeah, we were traveling up and down from Derby, basically every week, every other week. We we're doing training camps abroad in Portugal and Mallorca um, and yeah on track myself and Charlie and all manner of different efforts and standing quarters standing laps flying laps flying kilos team pursuits of all manner, manner of distances and to be honest I think depending on the trial I was in the top two of top two top three of all the different ones so I think my flying lap was probably the fastest if I remember back on all the data um so my standing half was pretty pretty good back then I was doing I was riding as a man one and my peak power was good I was doing a lot of gym work um and myself and Charlie ended up just doing what we always kind of did and end up kicking each other's head in at the back end and uh, not to be disparaging the rest of the team but we were the, the last two standing in a lot of the efforts um which I kind of felt well if we were going well then that's a good sign right um but then the engineer in me <coughs> just the inquisitive person within me was just questioning of the system. I think I'd obviously read a lot about GB and how they got to where they were and how those systems had grown and existed and how supposedly open they were to, to all this kind of stuff. And yeah, when you get there, suddenly it's um, not quite what you expect, I guess. It was more um, fitting within their system. You couldn't really question, or at least you weren't meant to question <laughs> i obviously did i was like oh what, why are we measuring this why are we measuring that how does how is this derived how is that measured have you thought about measuring in this way instead why don't you use this kind of sensor instead of that kind of sensor why are we doing this tactic have you thought about that tactic have you thought about this strategy why don't we use this rider in this way what do you think of this what do you think of that and i don't know in my head i thought that was that would be well received like <laughs> if if the opposite had happened and we had somebody like that come in and I guess in some ways we sometimes do, you have like Tom Ward coming in into a midweek team pursuit session at Derby going, why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? And, and, you, you've yeah. not lived until you've had a meeting with Will Perrett and he's got his uh, little notebook out. <laughs> Dan, I've got some questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> but if it comes from the right place, then I think there's a lot to be said for it. I think that's a productive thing, but um, I don't think it was quite so well received by some um areas within GB. I think a lot of guys did enjoy it. So like I got on really well with the, like the data analysts, like Roby D was pretty awesome and really open and had some really good discussions with him about you know, just about team pursuit and about the physics behind it and, and how you analyze and bear and all that. I mean, he's since moved on. He's with the BBC now. But um, yeah, so that kind of put me at loggerheads with the head coach, Ian Dyer at the time, where he... Uh, I don't know. I just wasn't getting put into, into all the key efforts. I don't particularly know at the time why. Uh, and then you're obviously trying to somewhat be careful to not completely stick your foot in it. But then I was asking, okay, what do I need to do to, to be in the, the starting team or the selected team? And what do I need to change? Um, and it was just not really getting any straight answers. It wasn't even subjective, like, oh, I think you need to, to work a little bit on this or a bit on your, on your line or a bit on your uh, pacing or anything like that. It was just kind of, oh... 
wishy-washy stuff that just didn't really stack up or make sense based on the data that was presented right ahead which I mean, we've all got power meters and speed sensors and all the data is getting, everything's getting filmed and you've got all the different half lap splits. And, um, do you think you that it was, do you, you sort of said that like this sort of this, this rift came up between you and the coach, but do you think that was, and you ultimately weren't selected, but do you, do you think that's because you've also said that you, it was sort of you and Charlie were sort of last man standing in all the efforts. And then obviously it's a team pursuit. You need three across the finish line. Do you, what, what do you think was more of a sort of important fact? Was it, sort of the lack of trust in that he didn't know that you'd ride a good team role to get the three across the line because you wanted to to show yourself or do you think it was purely just because he kept asking questions? Mm-hmm. I guess that's another point, isn't it? It's it's hard to know what you need to do in that situation because you're being trialled. The whole point of a trial is you have to show what you're capable of. But in a team pursuit, because it's this weird dynamic where you're competing against your teammates, how do you show that you're the best team pursuer? Do you get do you get your teammates over the line by sandbagging effectively or do you show that you're better than those other guys by going faster than them or further than them or dropping them? I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one, but it seemed like whichever way you went about it, the opposite was what they were after. I think that's often the case. They, they have a pre, or at least this is my opinion, looking back, I felt like they had a predetermined uh, way of judging what was good and what was bad. So like, for example, in a, team pursuit effort and um, you're going strong, do you, do you go long and change the strategy that they don't want you to do? Do you go faster and pick up the pace? Or do you do nothing at all, finish the effort and it's at 80% and you don't show anything? So how, how do you demonstrate what's good? And then you come in and you're like, oh, you you picked the pace up, you weren't going to do that as, as a cross against you. Or sometimes someone else picks the pace up and it was well done, you went really fast, that's really good, tick, green tick. And you're like, well what was the decision that meant their acceleration was a good thing and mine was a bad thing? Um, I don't know. It's, it's stuff it's like a key, that. It's a key part of team suit that people don't really know, isn't it? It's the, the decision-making during a ride. Like it's, should I go longer? Should I change? Should I do this? That? And it's always sort of held up as like a, it's always when stuff goes wrong, you have to make a decision immediately of, you know, what, you know, what should we do? I mean, I remember I've had a few rides when I felt terrible that I'm doing, but actually <clears throat> in looking back, everyone else felt worse than me. So realistically, I should have gone longer, you know, but it's sort of, you learn from that sort of past poor decision-making and you know what you do again. Well, yeah, you have have to be challenged to make those decisions. We're building this cotton wool environment where no one's really pushed to their limits to to figure out where the the edges lie uh, and how you make those decisions in the heat of a, a competitive moment. If you don't do that, then you're screwed when competition comes around and those moments do arise. I always think it's hard because like the KGF sessions we used to do, it was like, I, I think we, how, how many, how many efforts did we ever finish with more than one rider? <laughs> um, but we came in with like sort of a team culture of like, it's a lot of these sessions. We want to get as much physiological benefit out of it for each particular rider. Whereas it's a completely different philosophy. It's all about sort of nailing the technique, nailing the, the technical element of it. And success isn't going as fast as you can. Success is, completing it as efficiently as you can i think for bc it's sort of a, sort mm-hmm. of a, a twi- twist on it well i think um, i got a question for both of you guys in the sense of uh like how it's ran like so in in the u.s like if you we had we had two teams right or even sometimes three and but if you weren't in that top team and you knew who that top team was and it was usually ridden around ashton right it was like there was an a squad that would do an effort then the b squad and then I guess the C squad. Is it is that kind of how it was done on the trials? Like when you said key efforts, 
were you getting put into like a second team and you were like, oh, well, crap, I can't even show what I can do because I'm not even with that front team? No, there was always, <laughs> at least when I was there, Charlie, and there was six or seven guys. Um, yeah, so it'd be four guys doing the effort and two and sitting on. And you'd ride off the back? Uh, yeah, which is obviously that's your, you're in the B team because you're having to sit off the yeah. back. Uh, it's even worse, I, I think. <laughs> riding off the back is the worst because it's like, yeah. What do you do? Do you want to do you want to get the best physiological benefit out of the session? In which case, you want to have a really hard effort because you're only going to have like four key efforts. Really, you're going to be on track four times. But like, also, you want to in a sort of like complex environment, you want to perform under the spotlight. So it's it's sort of save yourself for the key efforts, but that stunts you long term ultimately. So it's 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 really difficult. I hate well, this, I hate the the next the question off. is going to be kind of like a. I mean, you're never going to know the exact answer, I don't think. But do you think that you and Tanfield got the opportunity more or less because somebody came to the head coach and was like, look, these guys are making this look like a joke right now. Like, we got to bring them in and got to give them an opportunity. And and do you think that that was like your opportunity and they were just like, oh, this guy talks way too much. Yeah, we'll just cut him out. You know, or like how, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, dude, what? Like, at what point was it just like, all right, look, we gave him an opportunity. We felt like it wasn't going to work out. Boom, done. Right? Uh, okay, so there's kind of two points to that. The first one is, I think we went knocking. I, after our national champs in January 2017, I sent a big email to every coach at GB. So I just, I went on the hunt on LinkedIn, got all their emails. Sad. Didn't really know who was who. Uh, and sent a big bulk email of like, hi guys, probably don't know me. But either way, <laughs> I'm need to like, you probably don't know me. <laughs> That's not <laughs> how you titled it. Hi, guys. I'm sure you know who I am. <laughs> I have done a lot of stuff recently. All right, well, either way, I dropped them an email. I think I had a bit of everything. It was both sides of it. It wasn't just the physiological side. I, I put a bit of a CV together as well on the engineering stuff. I was like, look, I'm keen on this side too and helping out on that front. But anyway, I sent it to everyone from like the head coach. It turned out I sent it to like... Like the junior female coach had sent it to everybody they all got it so it made its way somewhere but then it took to the world cups for us to start being competitive at the world cups for them to actually really acknowledge because i don't really think i got an email back then i'd have to check back but i don't think i did but then i think it was poland it me you and charlie we we sat in the um, gb storeroom at poland world cup and had a chat with stephen park and keith reynolds about what could be done in the pathway and then they were like look we're looking at it and they'll figure something out and that was kind of off the back of it where where it came off um but i think i, I don't know exactly when the the watershed moment where the decision was made um i think there were other things at play that like we went on a training camp to Mallorca and i took my tt bike and i thought that was fine i'd even read it in one of the books that they took all their road bikes off and before the olympics it was like well i ride my tt, TT bike all the time so what if it's <laughs> A camp with hills i'll just ride my tt right there why does it matter and i think that was frowned upon couldn't really understand why but um yeah uh, and it was just after them that i found was it there i think it was there itself it was either there was it pack it was packing for that uh camp actually they just done the selection the committee meeting for the world champs and they selected six riders for the team pursuit so four and two reserves and i wasn't even in that and i was kind of like what has gone on here like why and it was just weird of like oh well then you're going to world you've been selected for the ip and i was like but not the team pursuit um and that's when the questions started like spinning in my head and went on that camp and that was when i first asked like what have we got to do to get in the squad and got some wishy-washy answers and 
yeah, started to realize that the pathway was not what I expected and couldn't really comprehend what I needed to do. Uh, and it took until afterwards when I was like, okay, well, I didn't get selected for the Worlds team. A few of these guys who raced at Worlds can't race Commie Games because they're not English. You've got Mark Stewart. Um, who else was there? I can't remember. Fancy didn't do oh, Commies. Fancy didn't do it. Yeah. So anyway, it meant there was only five for the team pursuit for Commie Games. And I was like, okay, we'll just lay it out to me. What do I have to do from a standing lap or two lap turn off into another three, two or three lap turn from what position or a 4K time? Just give me some objective markers, powers, CDAs, whatever. Tell me and and I'll get it done. And literally the response was, it's just going to be very hard for you to be in that team, which I took as a, I don't want you in the team. So I'm not going to tell you what you need to do because then you can hold me accountable. Um, and I think that pretty much is what it is. Like they can argue all they want, but um, as I said recently, like if you, if you're this greatest team around and you can't set an objective KPI, because they're all about KPIs of that's how they hold them accountable on, on their funding. What KPIs are for uh, uh, sorry, human key, performance key performance indicators, um, critical determinants, whatever you want to call them. So the values that determine your value as an athlete, I guess. Um, so if you were a, if you're like a road time trial, this is probably a good comparison. What matters for, for most courses, your aerobic power, aerobic threshold and your CDA, pretty much the two values that matter, probably a little bit of body mass in there as well. Um, and there's a few other things with team pursuit around peak powers and half laps and uh, a few things there you can put down. But basically, it's just how are you judged as an athlete and compared apples to apples one to another? Uh, and that's all I wanted was you need to be able to do A, B and C and currently you can only do X, Y and Z. Um, but it, yeah, It's role yeah. clarity is what you were looking for ultimately. And, I think, yeah. and it's one that um, I, I love role clarity. Everyone loves role clarity. Um, going, going a bit off sort of off piece, but you know, the, the England cricket team, um, this is rogue, this is for you Americans. Um, they, they select their teams and they, they have a, a plan of how they think a team, a cricket team should be run. You know, they want their opening batters to go out hard, be aggressive, take risks. Um, but by doing that, you can get out quite quickly. So it, it's, it's sort of a high risk option and they don't select people. Like if, if you get selected and you go out and you do that man, that opening role for the batting and you don't, you are conservative and you don't take the risks, that's worse than if you get out for no runs you know but it's but they've got very set role clarity of this is what we want this is what we're looking for people and they sort of filter that all the way down to sort of development level cricket um and it's something we did i think one of the best things we did of kgf sort of era was that everyone had the role clarity we knew what strategy we wanted to run like i like i knew i needed to do five and a half six laps at this speed this is how many watts you're gonna have to do this is how much cda you're gonna have to save off you go, you've got 12 months, you know? Um, I know for me, it's sort of like you sit pretty because you know where you are against that sort of target. Um, whereas it's really tricky in these sort of team environments. It sounds like this is what you came up against, which was, you know, you, you felt like you were performing really well physically, personally, as an individual, but it's that, you know, what is the raw clarity I need for my team to sort of move forward? Um, yeah, you don't know where you stand. You don't know what you need to do. You're kind of just questioning yourself and you ask, for clarity and you don't get it and that's what really frustrated me um and that's what led to yeah commie games and uh not getting in the team pursuit pretty much underperforming in all the events and then getting pulled from the road time trial as well so that was kind of the icing and the cherry on top um and i just had enough of it to be honest been inside that system hadn't really enjoyed it um hadn't really 
felt that it was, uh, I don't know, I guess that whole saying is like, don't meet your heroes. And I guess I held them in such high regard, having seen from the outside and read a lot. And systems are very different when you get on the inside. And I know, I've discovered that in many walks of life of all manner of business and all sport and everybody's winging it. You get that, but you still I kind of in my head thought there was a lot more going on within British cycling and kind of maybe I just got stonewalled and there is other stuff going on behind the scenes that I wasn't privy to. But yeah, it was just quite a frustrating thing that meant for me that um, it gave me a more of a vision and a clear idea of what I wanted to be as an athlete and what I wanted to do aside of being an athlete on the engineering and the team management side of what we should do as, as a track team and what I want to get out of it and how I want to help other people. Hey, this is the key thing for me that the, there was a the Dan Bingham the person that, that disappeared for these GB trials and camps and the Dan Bingham that appeared after Commonwealth Games it was a was a different person to me it was significantly you were much more let's like say clear and driven and it was a while it may not have been the best experience of you watching Chazza get a world champs jersey and Commonwealth Games whatever it was silver but like it, it for your sort of long term and your career You've got to admit that it was a, a good thing for you in many ways. Yeah, and the person I am because of everything that's happened. Um, and I don't think, looking back, I wouldn't change. That I'm very happy with where I'm sitting now and the situation in my life and everything else. But at the time, you question it and like, you want something, you want it a lot, and it doesn't happen for whatever reason. But then it kind of formulates how you need to build going forward to get the things you want, but keep them within your own control and not not pass that over to other people and not have what's, what's the thing you'd probably say about having someone else controlling your own happiness and your own destiny it was like well I know what I want to do um we'll just make sure we can do it ourselves and not have to worry about someone else selecting me for a specific team or event or race and so you um and that's not the last time you've done team pursuit is it Daniel no <laughs> um and then that to fast forward then like well, we had who what bike off the back of the first year team KGF, and I think that was that was probably our most successful season, most enjoyable, I think, as well, because the team grew to a good level where we had a lot of support, and I was able to do what I wanted to do and had the time to. Whereas everything suddenly grew exponentially quick in the 2019-20 with more riders on the team, more partners, more sponsors, bigger plans, and my own life and business and all the other stuff kind of took over and I don't think we were as successful as we could have been or should have been if I'd been able to commit as much time as I did after the GB stuff and into that 2018-19 season if I'd had that but with a bigger budget I think we probably would have been in a better situation going into the World Cup we needed a global pandemic that's what we needed like Dan's gone really well (laughs) off a pandemic yeah (laughs) if Dan stays in the same house for more than a week you know it's success right is you cracking like crack jokes about it but it's so true like i've had the most consistency in my life for the last how long it's been now nearly 18 months so consistency for training consistency for work consistency for just thinking and getting testing done and prototyping and just thinking of new ideas and there's loads of stuff i'd love to talk about and maybe it's just enough to wait until last tokyo because obviously i can't be like <laughs> shouting and screaming about all the cool stuff we've done here but it's been such a good opportunity to have have covid or at least i don't i don't think covid's been great full stop for a lot of things but um for creating an opportunity for me to 
calm down, take a step back, look at the bigger picture and focus on what I should be focusing on, helping these guys down there go faster. Um, and myself as well. I mean, I've definitely got quicker in the last 18 months more than the, probably the previous three years, physiologically and on the equipment positioning, aero, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the to kind of take a step back, it was 2019 when the UCI decided to ban trade teams. And a lot of people like, I mean, Johnny, you probably heard it from a million people like, when's who what bike coming back? When are we going to see you at the World Cups? And I think, I don't know, maybe we didn't say it clear enough, but for us, the, the big end was going to altitude, which was back in 2020, March, April time. And uh, that was the end of the road anyway. I think we'd run our course as a team into Tokyo. We were quite happy, I think. Uh, speaking of myself, and I think the same, Johnny's in the same boat, that there's other things we wanted to do in life. And other avenues to go down and we'd have a great break. I still think we, should, we need a comeback with the rejects I want to have like Claude M off in the team I want Ermin out I want like a, a, a proper pod of like I want 18 pursuits in the world just to rock up to a Rand Alley and just be like yeah 42 it's possible it's definitely possible I mean I know, I know you like to start at the beginning or is it start at the end but like surely somewhere on the list what, what chapter do you get on the airplane right before competition <laughs> day yeah. four Get in, get um, yeah, they probably should. I've been thinking that you see all this stuff on, on Instagram, like all the tracks about to open, and we're like, Yeah, so still out here in Battle Rup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, I was just chatting with Mads, the mechanic, about an hour ago. Who was it? Someone said, Uh, what time's the women's Madison? I was like, Women's Madison tomorrow. Mads, like, tomorrow, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> oh, I mean, the mountain bike. Oh, yeah, the women's mountain bike, you know, Madison. <laughs> We're leaving it late. Last little thing I want to sort of talk about with uh, you, because I know you've got to shoot off and do your training session, is um, we've sort of talked about how do you pick a squad ultimately is sort of the, the sort of the squad <laughs> philosophies into how you how do you get the best four riders on the start line for an event? Um, this is quite a sort of contrast between some of the different nations' approaches to this. Um, I think the Aussies are the the you know the pure example of you know, they picked a squad of four riders, basically four or five riders max, uh, two years out. Obviously, Luke Plapp came in, but it's, you know, they've still got a tiny, tiny squad and they sort of stuck with those guys. Whereas, I mean, I think it was only like a month ago, we saw a video of the Italians with 10 riders doing team pursuit. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's, that's novel. Um, but what, what, what do you think? What do you think is the best? Well, that's put what your, we did. Here. Put your cards no, on the table. Yeah, well, we had seven guys, so we needed two teams. So then I started riding the B team, um, which was very nice. Quite a fun experience. Obviously, I'd missed Team Pursuit, and it had been, when did we last Team Pursuit? February 2020? Yeah, training, which turns out it's quite good for Team Pursuit. So, um, yeah, you know, like the, well, loads of training sessions going into it and ended up doing a bit of them and then um, casually broke the Team Pursuit record. I was the first British rider to ride sub 350 in a Team Pursuit. Does that work? <laughs> there we go. And, uh, I did it by about three days before the GV guys did because they went 49.9, I believe. Uh, and I think they did theirs on the Friday and I was on the Tuesday. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if they go faster in Tokyo, which. Well, mine's not official anyway, but um, for me, do you think going back to GB team pursuit would be something you'd be interested in? I think there'd have to be a lot of things that change for me to be interested in it. It's not. I obviously want to represent my nation. I want to go to like the worlds on the roads, the world champs on the road this year. But it's a different. 
thing being in team pursuit to turning up and just doing an individual time trial, even a team time trial. There's a lot more preparation, a lot more involvement, a lot more commitment. Um, and having seen how the Danish team do it, I just kind of think a lot of things would have to change for me to fit in within that system. I fit in really well here and continue to do so and enjoy it because of the environment, the culture, the fact they just have fun and that like CJ, the coach, they literally, they'll finish like a standing effort and could be anything. could be like Frederick Rodenberg's gone, yeah, I'm going to whack it and drop some silly lap split. Loving it. Like he's coming off this massive sm- Rodenberg's got some silly lap splits. <laughs> You're like, how cool is that? Like, I just can't see other nations having that same approach. of like, that is amazing. Just the sheer enjoyment of seeing like your athletes go real fast just in training. Uh, we're just kicking each other's head in for a bit. Um, so you, like you're saying, so you think it's get it as big as you can, have as many team suit riders going all the time, basically is what you think. I think it, it pushes people to be competitive and push themselves because if not, complacency comes into it because you believe your position's safe. Another example, again, about a million team sprinters and the best ones in the world and they push each other and they can compete against each other every single day, every single week. And okay, it's not about competition every session. I like judging it. It's not a trial situation. It's not every session is judging whether you should be on the start line or whether you can or can't back up a ride in two years time. Cause that's, that's just stupid. But having people of similar ability, similar trajectory, similar goals alongside you as even just a benchmark or just um, someone to, to see how they're doing, how you're doing. And I think, that's probably the better way of going about it. Uh, it gives you a lot more variety and it also has a bit more of a safety net as well because not everyone's going to make it through injury, illness, um, or just whatever the reason, determination, motivation, lack of desire. The bigger the the, the neck of the funnel, then hopefully the well, bigger the base of the pyramid, the Just throw some either. adjectives in there, Dan. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, it's interesting like you business. say that, like the Dutch with their, because um, I know they've got a big squad and stuff, and I know from talking to Medi, it's, it's because obviously I, I've always found with um, in the GB environment, it's I always felt like you're on test at every session. Um, so there's not you never feel comfortable and, and like capable of making mistakes. Um, so no sort of in, in a in a hoop environment, it was you know we don't care what you do in training, we matter matters what you do in the race. And I know with them, it's if you've got that many like weapons on their squad, like how do you keep them all together? And it's it, apparently they have none of that, but it's it's because they have very sort of strict criteria. you know we're going to have a hit out. It's sort of a, a race simulation week, two weeks out from Worlds, and that's the fastest people on that day are the ones we're going to go. Um, it's a similar sort of setup with swimming, athletics, um, how you fit that into a team pursuit environment, God knows. But I think it's it allows everyone to just relax, you know? And I think a, a relaxed rider train. is a happy rider. Yeah. Well, you need to take a step back to go too forward pretty much with everything, don't you? You can't just constantly be progressing. You can't. You can't just train and be mint all the time. So if you've judged on every single session and that you're held accountable as if like to fail efforts on the track 10 months out, 12 months out, whatever it might be, is like seen as a bad thing. It's psychologically very hard, isn't it? Like, cause you, you gene yourself up for this. Every effort turns into a race effort and you just get drained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I quite like the ones where you'd like empty the tank and then like get on John's wheel and like struggle in for the next six laps at 14 eights, whatever on his wheel dying, <laughs> but well, um, that, that, physiologically... that's, that's because we know who you are, Dad. Like, we used to sort of like, I would, I, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, listeners, but uh, Dan likes to show off how good he is. So, what we used to like, if when I used to set this the sort of team sessions, I would like, I would create a scenario where he couldn't do that because I wanted to get everyone to have a good effort at the session. So, it's like you, Dan wouldn't, would you'd always try and give Dan either the last effort 
or he'd have to sort of change and get on John for like a bit. So he, he couldn't fully deplete full pigs. Couldn't go full on too soon in the effort. Otherwise, it would just be like, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 16.5 is not 14.2, Dan. <laughs> we'll give you like a 10th window, but <laughs> like you watch the replay and you can just see his little grin like, ha, <laughs> ha. Like, I can feel the <laughs> yeah, I had a similar, a similar one a few times out here. Like, oh, I was just going that fast. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> things never change. Power file, 700 watts, boom. <laughs> yeah, um, you got empty. But they, they were good fun. Um, I think, yeah, exactly that. We weren't we were able to fail and just suck it up and poke fun at each other for it. But that's not a bad thing. Yeah, got gains on that. Um, so what, what what do you reckon the plans are? are you going to give us any reveals for who's going to be in the starting lineup? Oh, can I flip the camera? Does that work? Yeah, there you go. That's the new bike, just in the middle of the track, right there. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so good. Status bike reveal. <laughs> you guys are just listening. It was just is that going to be legal? <laughs> the entire track, we couldn't see it. <laughs> No, we've got, you see, so there, there's a velodrome, there's a velodrome, and then uh, the bikes are here, so you can't see them. <laughs> well, just hopefully, hopefully it's all on the list, so. Man, that list, yeah, Casper's been living life, filling all those ones out, but I think so. Yeah. Um, we, we registered everything ourselves, so um, we're on the ball with that one, I think. Hope we pray. We'll find out when we get out there. It's gonna be a nightmare for the UCI. So they've been um chopping stuff off their lists of checklists. So they originally were everything, wheels and saddles and cranks and seat posts and bars and the whole lot, and they've cut like half of it and gone, we're only gonna check this stuff now because we don't have time. And if you yeah. if you do the maths on it, so I think each nation you take probably take the average. Let's say we're probably an average nation, which I think we probably are. You've got some that are a lot bigger and some that are smaller. And we've got something like three hundred items. If you take one minute to check an item, to check it's the right one, stick a sticker on it, put it all in the system, that's what five hours. And there's how many nations? Fifty, sixty. Quite a few. There's not enough hours in the whole Olympic <laughs> weeks to to check every single item. It's impossible. Um, I don't think someone did not make a spreadsheet for this <laughs> and they brought this rule in. Hey, man, maybe that's your next job. I mean, I feel like you're always on to something new. Maybe your next job is just <laughs> creating a spreadsheet. Oh, there, was, there was a rumor going around about a year and a half ago uh, that I was going to work for the UCI. Ah. It was going around the pits. <laughs> I love how you say that, like, there was a rumor going around. Okay, so we made a rumor that Dan was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing who believed it as well. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So funny. The amount of nations who come up, like, yeah, I've heard about that. Um, we could have a chat, like, before you, before you, like, uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Is this how politics works? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Why right, well, Kinder Bueno is the bribe of choice, in case you're wondering, guys. Yeah, Kinder Bueno, a white Kinder Bueno. Got a lot of time for that. I'll, I'll do a rule change for a, a, a four-pack of Kinder Buenos. <laughs> Prices may vary. Um, so you still haven't answered my question. Are you going to tell us who's going to start for the Danish? Because um, you've got five riders now, haven't you? <coughs> you've got um, the guy, I can't remember his name. Who's the new one again? Nicholas Larson. There we go. New one. Nicholas. We've got Nicholas back. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say. They're on the start list anyway. 
Um, you have to wait and see. You have to wait and see. Do you think it's uh, do you think it's best to use the fastest rider for each event, each race, or are you going to sort of? What do you reckon? That is a good question, and I think going back, I think we did not utilize as who what bike our fifth rider well enough with the strategy agreed in advance. So I think there's a fair chance we will, but I don't know for sure. Again, I, I don't call the shots on that one. That's the, the coach. As I'm on the equipment and energy outside, and he decides the energy going in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mean, Dan's referring to this a few times when um, we like I, we left Harry. We did three round three rides in a day at Berlin World Cup, and we we didn't use Harry Tanfield in any of them. I know we used him for qualifying, and then took him out no, for rounds, and then should have taken me out for the final, put him in. I swear, remember? We, I swear we didn't use him at all. No, we did. We only used him for a ride. Okay. And then we had like Will. We didn't use Will at Brisbane World Cup, and I just two, two hours to two be rides would have taken me out. Yeah, I think the whole fact that I just did not have enough anywhere near of aerobic capacity uh, to recover or to back up, which is annoying because now it's like fine. Like that sub three fifty ride was my second ride of the day, and like normally my second ride of the day, I'd be like pulling half lap turns and stuff. Um, quarter lap turns. Like, I'm not tipper um but yeah kind of didn't utilize we've done and that was just naive on our part but unfortunately some plates you don't keep spinning and they fall and smash and that just comes down to not having enough people to to keep on top of everything it was like riders are focusing on their own performance and getting to the track and trying to eat and sleep and take all the, the right supplements at the right time and get the hot pants charged and ready and all the other things. And then you don't actually think of the bigger picture of like, is this the right thought? Are we doing the right strategy? Should we do something different? It wasn't enough, it's almost like, as if we needed a formalized manager. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think Medi Cordy is the one to blame. Like we were, we penciled him in to be team manager. <laughs> we had money set aside for him, but he chose the Danish, the Dutch rather over us. Money set aside. Let, <laughs> let, let's rephrase that. <laughs> Ten pounds a week. <laughs> we and will give you bike. expenses. <laughs> yeah, uh, we definitely did not pay or could not pay what the Dutch could, and also we couldn't offer him, you know, world class sprinters to go to the Olympics with. Yeah, boring that. Yeah, you only, you only get on the podium. So this is the sort of the, the do you swap riders if. You only actually get on the Olympic podium and get your medal on the day if you ride the final. There's only going to be, there's only those four. So you could ride a world record in qualifying, world record in the first round, and not get picked for the final because we're going to win by so much. You may as well let Brian have a go and not get your medal. <laughs> Can you imagine what that's going to feel like? You get a medal later, though. You get, get it, you get it in the post. You get it in the oh, post. Boring. It's not quite boring. the same, though, is it? Right. <laughs> Everyone knows it was only the team in the final that did the work. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. So, uh, John, are we seeing you at Paris 2024? About three years now. Mr. Five-time national champion. Asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, You're John, man. not Johnny. Johnny. That's the, I mean, that's the goal. I mean, it depends on what the U.S. does. And I, I, I have, after this Nationals and a conversation I have uh, had with the U.S., I think I'm going to start a trade team. Um. Yeah, and so I don't know what that looks like. You're gonna call it boob hot bike. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna think of something. <laughs> I might just call it boob. Um, bike what? Because yeah, you can call it whatever something. you want. There's no sort of yeah. rules. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Um, but 
yeah, I think I think I'm gonna try to go to do some do some C ones in Europe because uh, I was told that I can't attend the Cali World Cup. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you got that kid coming through, haven't you? Forgotten his name. I want to call him Tristan. It's not that. Brian. No, 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 no. Steven. no. He rides for rally. Oh, uh, Magnus. Magnus. Magnus Backstead. Yeah, yeah well, Magnus and that's the thing. Like, I, I think, I don't know what he wants to do. I think. Does he want to win? I don't know. I don't even know if he wants to go to the Olympics, right? So, like, you got to, I mean, like, but that's the thing. Like, some of these kids, you just wonder if they're just saying that to say that or if, but then Sepp Kuss is like, hey, I'm going to focus on the tour. I don't, I don't want to go to the Olympics for the U.S. And so the U.S. just has this weird, it's a weird vibe. But I, we're going to have to have some talks. I might have to contract both Dan and Johnny and all the entire Hoop Watt Bike team to figure this out and how, how I'm going to put this all together. Get Mandy Tipper to register the team again. That's what you want. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm also trying to beg Ashton to, you know, ride Team Pursuit again and quit going to Iceland and lifting seven days a week and, um. You know, I think it's eight days a week, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and just caring about one ride, and because he'll go under four minutes, and then hopefully he's like, "Oh yeah, I want to go to the Olympics now." Maybe that'll finally, that yeah, yeah, just that itch. <clears throat> so I don't know. We'll see. That'd be cool to see. Yeah, just make it, make it happen. Good I'm just gonna go all for it. So, but yeah, thanks, man. Well, you enjoy your Olympics, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I get to spend it here on Danish time or Tokyo, semi Tokyo time. I don't know. We might change our body clocks a bit, but yeah, um, they're all flying out tomorrow, and me and Casper uh, stay here and enjoy the Danish summer and watch some trucks like that on TV. Sweet. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate Come it, on. man. No, thank you guys for having me. Uh, enjoy the rest of your series, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll probably get you back at some point. To be honest. Oh yeah. Seven days time after qualifying. You're, quite, you're, you're quite tricky to get on these podcasts. Like you, it's, it's difficult to get you to talk about yourself. But uh, if we can, you if we can manage it, <laughs> if we manage it, we'll, we'll get you on. Oh, we had an, an agent. Let's go through him. And by the way, guys, Dan is giving out free extensions. Just make sure you slide into his DM um, and uh, see how that works out. Um, just all you have to do is we're, send him your address. We're pretty disappointed by how few people have actually done it so far. <laughs> Uh, um, only three people wanted free extensions it's like they thought it was a joke or something they got three extensions as well like just three uh, one each you know so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right the guys. unicorn love it right man see Cheers. you all soon Fantastic.